Welcome to another edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. With us is John Church, educator in natural resources. And John is going to talk to us today a little bit about windbreaks. So, why would you ever want a windbreak, John? Well, hi, Bill. Yes, uh, I think at this time of year especially, here we are sitting in the middle of January as we're uh, doing uh, this particular program. And uh, here, at least in the northern part of Illinois, we've had a lot of snow and wind and ice and all those good things that come with a typical winter. And so windbreaks can offer us uh, potentially some protection from those uh, winter winds and the snow. And uh, in addition to that, by protecting us from the wind and snow, hopefully reduce uh, some of our energy use and cost uh, in some of our buildings, like our house, for instance, and also do some uh, protecting of potentially our outbuildings and the livestock that may or may not be in those buildings. So that's why you would want to have one, but how do you actually go about putting one in? Is, is there a particular type of tree or ground cover that you use? Well, and, and you mentioned uh, uh, trees, and typically in the Midwest, at least, when we think about uh, windbreaks, we are usually talking about a, a living windbreak. Now, there are some people that actually intersperse uh, a living windbreak with, like, trees with maybe something uh, more like a fence, a solid oh. fence, or mm -hmm. a fence that has a certain amount of openings in it or whatever. So it can be a little bit different than just all living trees, but typically most of our, our farmstead windbreaks and rural home windbreaks typically are made up of trees, and typically uh, the main part of the windbreak is made up of evergreen trees. Ah, oh, well, that kind of makes sense because you have no foliage on a regular tree, and so is there a particular type of evergreen tree that works best in Illinois or in various parts of the country? Right, and as you mentioned, on our other trees, our deciduous trees, lose their foliage. Now, in the summer, if uh, when those leaves are on, they could offer some wind protection and uh, shade and those types of things, but that's uh, different, of course, than what we're looking for in the winter. So what we want to do are put evergreen trees uh, in an area that protects us from the typical wintertime winds, which here again here in Illinois is predominantly the north and west where we get our winter winds. And so if we put evergreen trees there, it does uh, give us that protection and still allows for some air movement and sunlight and those things uh, in the other months. And as we look at uh, the types of evergreen trees that we would use on a windbreak, our University of Illinois forestry specialists have uh, talked for years about basically two varieties of trees, the Douglas fir and the Norway spruce. That's not to say there are not other options out there. Uh, white pine, uh, even blue spruce, uh, uh, white pine, blue spruce uh, we mentioned, uh, the arborvitae is another possibility. Uh, there are some varieties that, that we don't recommend, uh, and that's uh, scotch pine comes to mind because it is kind of open to some insect and disease and stress-related problems. But in general, in Illinois, our extension specialists recommend uh, Douglas fir and Norway spruce. They're, they have good growth habits, very little uh, problem in terms of insect or disease, uh, will tolerate uh, quite a few different types of weather conditions, and so they're, they're a good choice. But again, if those aren't the ones that you want, uh, there are some other varieties out there that, that people can consider. So uh, now we've talked about what kinds of trees, but how do you overall plan a windbreak? It, does it have to be a certain offset from the object you're protecting? What do you look for? 
Well, there are some different types of measurements and layouts and designs that a person should look at if they really want to get detailed about it. But for very general purposes, what we would like to see is usually a two-legged windbreak. And again, as we mentioned earlier, you would, you'd want that to protect the winter winds. And so typically one leg would protect you from the north winds and one leg from the western winds. And then you can get into all sorts of design considerations as to how dense the windbreak is and how much wind you block and those types of things. But again, for our average recommendation, we would probably say we would want a minimum of two rows in each leg, alternating the trees, and uh, ideally probably looking at three rows of the evergreen trees and again alternating the trees within there. And then when we're looking at those two different legs, those uh, should be, each leg should be a minimum of, of probably 50 foot away from the area that you're trying to protect. Mm -hmm. And uh, 50 to 100 feet uh, is usually acceptable. So how far apart should the trees themselves sit? Again, it depends a little bit on species, but in general, we're probably looking at somewhere around 16 foot on center uh, between the rows and between the trees. Now, so that's going to take some time to grow them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that leads us into the next question, really, and that is, how big a tree should I buy to put in? I suppose it's going to be a trade-off between how quickly I'm going to get the effects of the windbreak and how much I'm going to spend up front. Exactly. The, the cost-benefit uh, ratio is what we have to look at. And uh, so if uh, we're really more concerned about the cost than we are the time to get an effective windbreak, you can go with uh, the cheaper types of trees. And when I say cheaper, I, I don't say that negatively, but uh, the, the fact is you can plant seedlings, and that's quite a bit cheaper than if you go out and buy uh, some four- to six-foot uh, bald and burlap that that container-grown stock. prohibitively expensive, probably, given the number you're going to have to put in. Usually that's the case. Most people... Uh, probably are going to use something like a transplant or seedling stock versus container grown or bald or burlapped. But again, you know, depending on how much you're willing to spend right. and how quick you want the, the tree to grow. Exactly. And in general, uh, once a seedling is established, um, we should expect roughly maybe a foot or so of growth a year. So uh, you can get some relatively rapid growth and protection over a period of time. Right. And so when should the windbreak be planted? Most of the folks that uh, deal with windbreaks would recommend it be planted in the spring. And that helps them get established uh, before the, the first winter season. That can be stressful. And uh, it does uh, give good root establishment uh, prior to that time. And usually the conditions to plant are, are fairly favorable uh, in the spring as long as you're not out there when it's too wet. Um, the second best choice would be uh, early in the fall. Uh, we don't recommend planting in the summertime because that puts them under a lot of moisture stress and moisture stress is probably one of the top things uh, that we see in terms of damaging and killing off some of our seedling stock because a lot of these windbreaks are out in a place where you can't do a great job of manual watering. Right. Um, you can if, if you have a tank or a tanker or something, you can take it out, but it, that's a hard job. Right, and that that really is the other thing you need to keep in mind when you're putting in any kind of uh, tree or planting is watering is so very important in, during that initial season. season. Until the trees get established, uh, it really is crucial to keep them well watered. So how soon would I get benefit? I suppose, again, that varies depending on how big a tree I put in, but... 
you'd think within five, six years you'd get some benefit? Again, depending on the, the type of tree, how rapid the growth is, all those types of things. But within five or six years, you're going to start to see some minimal benefit. But probably most people would probably say more like 10 years ten before years. you get substantial benefit. And how long do you think a windbreak is going to last? In Illinois, as long as it's established well and uh, is growing well and spacing is done properly and, and all those good things, you know, we certainly can look at a windbreak that uh, well will go 30 to 40 years and, and some go longer. But usually after that 30 to 40 years, we do get some typical just uh, old age, so to speak, uh, dieback. Right. And once you start to see the dieback on the, some of the branches, then you reduce the benefit. And that's really something where I live. We have been thinking about how to uh, uh, start interplanting, mm -hmm. taking out some trees and putting in others. Um, to rejuvenate. Do you have any advice on that? There, there are no real great solutions to renovating an existing windbreak because you have some choices that aren't all necessarily good ones. <laughs> um, but if you uh, want to go in and, and interplant because it's really only one or two trees here and there and the rest of the trees are doing well, um, you can do that. The difficulty with it is that the rest of the trees can cause some shading problems depending mm -hmm. on the spacing and so on. So it slows that new tree's growth and may even in some cases even kill the tree but it can slow the growth rate. So that's one downside of doing that. But if you have a 10-year-old windbreak and you have some trees need to be replaced, you certainly don't want to take out those 10-year-old trees to, uh, to give more room. So, so that's not a bad option. If you have a windbreak that really is starting to approach maturity and you're getting a lot of dieback in the branches, those types of things throughout the windbreak, uh, a good potential, again, I, I say potential because the downside here is probably cost, um, but is to start a new windbreak by basically starting on the outside or inside of the windbreak, usually on the outside, with a new row. And then you start to basically rotate, taking the rows out as oh, the, new, as the yeah. new rows grow. Mm -hmm. um, but lots of times, if you already have an existing windbreak, the patience factor for reestablishing one with you know, transplant or seedling stock, you know, it's kind of tough. So sure. people want bigger plants, and so that costs more. But, but that's an idea. But it boils down to plan ahead. Correct, right. So is there some place we ought to go on the web to look for more information on this sort of thing? You know, there really is a lot of information out there on windbreaks, and a lot of conservation-type uh, agencies and groups have windbreak information. The thing that I would encourage folks to do is, regardless of what your source of information is, try to um, look at information that is relatively localized to the area you're in. Because right. this is one case where tree species... Uh, sources of trees, uh, weather conditions, uh, spacings, uh, these types of things uh, can be relatively localized to get the optimum performance. So here in Illinois, we recommend or I would suggest that you just go to one of our extension websites and uh, this can get you to several other good uh, forestry type websites. But if you can go to web.extension.uiuc.edu slash forestry slash agroforestry that will get you into a source where you can find windbreak and other forestry information and again that's web.extension.uiuc.edu slash forestry slash agroforestry and of course always feel free to contact your local extension office 
or in this case for this particular topic, uh, Extension and the Natural Resources Conservation Service and Soil and Water Conservation Districts uh, have a joint publication called the Illinois Windbreak Manual, so you could check with any of those local offices. Very good. And for Spotlight on Natural Resources, this has been Bill Wasner and John Church.